Hi guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Glitter Cast. I'm sorry that this episode is a few hours late. I usually try to have the episodes released at midnight on Tuesdays, but I had so many readings yesterday that by the time I had to edit and upload this episode, I was not into it at all. Uh, plus, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like my brain has been like short, like short circuiting or something. Um, probably, I think I think it started once we had the lunar eclipse last week and we have a solar eclipse coming up next week too but my brain has been like malfunctioning because there was like the other day I had to drop some packages off at the mailbox and I said I said to my boyfriend Satan I was like oh I'll be right back I have to go drop these off at the laundry box and he was like relentless and making fun of me because I called it the laundry box and then what else happened oh yeah we were we were looking at Christmas lights uh, like driving around like Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills area. And there was a like a dinosaur fountain. And I got really excited when I saw it. And I was like, oh my God, there's a T-Rex and it's shitting water out of its mouth. Like, and that's just like what my voice said. And and all my boyfriend said was, that's a T-Rex. That's a, that's a Triceratops. <laughs> like, so I, it was not a T-Rex. And I don't know why shitting water from its mouth was my description. Anyway, today's episode is with the delightful, wonderful Michelle T. She is the writer of my favorite tarot book, Modern Tarot. It's what I always recommend to people. She is a delight and a treasure, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, you are, we're now recording. So thank you for joining me for an episode of the Glitter Cast. I'm here with Michelle T. Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited to get to interview you just because your, your book, Modern Tarot, is the only book I ever recommend to clients. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. It is such a good book. And I know that you've written other books that were just sort of, I believe, nonfiction, correct? I've written both. I've written a bunch of memoirs and essays and then also fiction. Okay. Um, what made you decide to write a tarot book? And also, I do have to say that having writing experience outside of just explaining how to do tarot, I think really makes your book so much better than all the other tarot books because it's not boring. It's oh. It keeps you captivated. <laughs> God, that's such a good point. I am really accustomed to writing for a reader and thinking about, like, where are they as I'm pontificating on this? Is it boring? You know, like, thinking about an audience. I, I, I started writing um, for performance, really. When I first started writing, I didn't think that I would ever get published because I just didn't know how people got published. But um, yeah. I was part of a really vibrant, like, spoken word scene that was happening in San Francisco, you know, decades ago. And so I really, I would have to craft this work that could hold the attention of people in a bar who are drinking, oh my <laughs> gosh. sitting with their friends. And there was like a lot of, you know, potential distraction. So yeah, it, it definitely, that, that influenced my writing in a really interesting way. And, and I think you're right. I, I brought all of that into the tarot book. 
um, that I worked on. And, you know, I, I love tarot. I started reading tarot when I was 15 and I'm going to be 50. So for quite a long time. And as a writer, I've always kind of wanted to do a tarot book and I've flirted with different, um, in my life, I kind of had different experiences where like, Oh, maybe I'll do a book for that publisher or opportunities seem like they were coming and then they kind of went away. And then I just got this wonderful opportunity. Um, that my literary agent at the time sort of connected me with a publisher at Harper Elixir an editor at Harper Elixir. And we kind of talked about like what, what would be a, a new kind of tarot book for them and something that would be fun for me to write and that would maybe lean on my strengths as a writer and as a tarot reader. And we just kind of came up with this idea yeah. that I would, um, yeah, that, you know, would be my take on the cards, but also as a memoir writer, um, you know, I felt pretty comfortable talking about my own life experience. So I, you know, throwing that in, I think makes things feel a little more personal. Yeah. And relatable. So it's more, yeah, again, Totally. And then getting to write spells. I was like, and I'll write spells because I was finding that wasn't part of the initial plan for the book. But I found while I was writing it, especially when I was, you know, writing the chapters on, you know, cards that are really hard to get, I would just think, oh, you know, someone's reading this because they just picked the tower. Like, this person is stressed out who's reading this. And if I'm giving someone a reading and they get the tower, I work with that. You know, we try to figure out, like, what are ways that we can approach this situation, you know? Um, and so it felt sort of like, I felt like I was leaving people hanging. I wanted to give readers, you know, something they could do to work with this energy. And so I was like, Oh, spells. And then I realized writing spells felt like writing poetry. So that was really cool. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it is, especially if you start to add, you know, like if you start to speak in your spells, if you start to add lines for that, then you do try to add a little bit of a flair to it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm laughing at your um, spoken word experiences because I used to do stand up comedy and oh, no way. (laughs) But I know what you're You're so brave. (laughs) I just I did stand up comedy for a second a couple of years ago. I tried it out. How did you like it? I mean, it was so interesting. I have a really good friend that was doing it. And I just it was almost like I wanted to hang out with her. And we were both here in LA, you know, I'm in LA and Mm -hmm. we were both sort of trying to write for TV and all that crap. And it was going nowhere as it continues to. And she just was like, it's fun to just have something outside of that. That's just for you. And you can just, the pressure's off. I mean, it's its own pressure, of course, Yeah. especially if you're taking it very seriously. Like I want to be a comedian. So I didn't really approach it like that. It was more like I've performed a lot in my life. I've spoken on the mic a lot. What, what does it feel like to do it in this sort of, capacity um and I hosted some comedy events that were I was doing a comedy event with a friend of mine who was doing stand-up more seriously um it was called Josh and we would do we would put these um shows together in people's homes we'd be like can we have a comedy show at your house and people would be like okay (laughs) and we would just bring like five comedians and a bunch of LaCroix and yeah and we would give the address out like the day of to people who contacted us contacted us personally mm-hmm. and it was it was so much fun but it just ended up being a lot of work so yeah that's very punk rock though like that's a very punk rock approach to getting some comedy shows out there right <laughs> yeah. well it came from my friend who like I said my, my friend Tara Jepson who's a hilarious person and was um sort of trying at the time trying to make inroads into into stand-up comedy in a in a more serious or professional way and was just encountering all the roadblocks that anybody does and it was so frustrating to her 
I think because she, she, we both come from this sort of queer punk background where, I don't know, it's just more DIY. And so to suddenly have all of these barriers to doing what you want to do creatively felt so wrong. She's like, I would rather just do, you know, a show in someone's stupid living room. And she posted it on Facebook and I was like, oh, let's do comedy in people's stupid living room. Were they and like, we did. how did you find the houses that you were going to, and did you say Jessa? The person, her name is Tara Jepson. Oh, I thought you said Jessa. And I was thinking, I was wondering if it was someone I knew. Uh, knew oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tara, Tara Jepson, another tarot reader and a, an author also and all this other stuff. Um, so how did we find the houses? We would, the very first one we did at Tara's own house. So that was really easy. Um, and then from there, we were just kind of putting the word out or we would just announce it on the mic. We'd be like, do you want us to do this in your house? You know, and, or people would refer us and be like, you know, so-and-so has a really cool house. Yeah. Sometimes people had like really good outdoor space. Um, my son's babysitter is also an artist, <laughs> a writer, and lived in a sort of communal space. And they were, they had been doing little shows in their yard. So it just became part of their programming to yeah. bring us in. <laughs> yeah. So it was really cool. It was very cool. Probably the, the, the peak coolness of it is we got to do it at Kathleen Hanna and Bad Rock's house. No. That, in Pasadena. That was amazing. I'm not really often because, a jealous person, but I'm really jealous I of mean, you right now. I, I feel jealous that I can't have that experience again, actually. It was like, it was really cool. Um, you know, Kathleen loves comedy and loves comedians and was really passionate about it and took it almost more seriously than me and Tara did because we can be such dirt bags in our approach <laughs> and like, just so like whatever DIY it's punk, who cares? Yeah. But like Kathleen is just like, she just, she was like, and it was cool. It was like, as a matter of respect, like to the comedians and stuff yeah. and to the audience, like just wanted it to be so nice and like made sure the lighting was really great. And, you know, kind of like removed lights from her ceiling, like to make it perfect. And like, uh, you know, delineated a stage area in her living room. I mean, it was so beautiful. It was so special to, to get to work with her on it a little bit. It was very, very cool. She's an earth angel. <laughs> I love her yeah, so much. Her yeah. No, we're so lucky. We're so lucky that we have her. Humanity is so lucky that she she is here with us right now. Oh my gosh, that's so true. I mean, she got me through um, Phoenix, Arizona, the suburbs of Phoenix, Arizona, when I was like really? rocking out to Bikini Kill my Gay best yes. friend was getting his ass kicked every other week. And it was just like, I need this so much. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so important. She's been like that just for so many people, right? Music mm -hmm. is so powerful. It's true. It's so true. I wanted to ask a little bit about, because, you know, I know that it, your, your book is called Modern Tarot. So it's baked right in there that it's a modernized <laughs> sort of view of the cards. And how do you feel like you, because if you do look at even just like the little books that you get in a tarot deck, like the, uh -huh. they're kind of very dry and it's not always relatable and it can get kind of just like, I don't know, uninspired. So yeah. how did you feel that task was like for you to make this really ancient practice relatable in our time? Well, I mean, it, it didn't feel like too intimidating of an undertaking, I think only because I've been reading tarot cards for so long that I've become practiced in 
like I think that you probably relate to this. Like when you're when you're a tarot reader, you're you're a translator, right? You're having to translate the picture into real life. Like what does that picture mean? And I think I've become accustomed to also translating the sort of language that a lot of tarot books and booklets are written in are it feels very old and dusty and archaic and like melodramatic yeah. also <laughs> yeah, you know totally. it's like yeah and, and like superstitious almost so I've I've been used to for a long time of figuring out okay that's great that it says all these insane things but like what does this really mean for the average person getting their tarot cards read mm-hmm. you know like how do you how do you adapt it to real contemporary life what does it mean so I think I was doing that for so long just in my tarot reading and also like not in a vacuum like around so many other people who read tarot and are doing the same thing right and have figured out how to apply these like really ancient images to our modern life in a way that it's not that hard and it's actually kind of a fun challenge um so yeah so once once it was time for me to write the book I felt like I already had my own sort of translated um, definitions of what the cards meant. Yeah. So it wasn't like having to re-explore that. I mean, I did a little bit, like I did a sort of um, refresher on every card just because I don't, I don't know if this happens to you, but I can get really hooked on, I, you know, tarot, every tarot card has a lot of different meanings yes. to them. You know, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there's different angles to the cards. Right. And I find that I can get, really focused on like a couple particular details of the card to the exclusion of the rest of the card. And so it's like, I have to keep reminding myself like, Oh, there's another meaning to this card also, or, you know, yeah, it means that, but it also means this. So I, I did kind of um, do like a big refresher study on, on the tarot before I started writing, but the meanings were pretty much the, the meanings that are in the book are pretty much the way I've been reading those cards for many years for yourself because it had to be your words you know maybe look and you know consult with the others by refreshing yourself but it still has to be your yeah totally I mean I don't know I love um you know I read my own I I read professionally and stuff but I read um my own cards a lot and I always use the book oh whatever the book is because I I like I I kind of see it as also like an occasion to just like study a little bit yeah. And just remind myself of different aspects. I also like, I love tarot so much. I have a lot of decks. I don't think I'm a hoarder. I might be a hoarder, but <laughs> how many? I do have a lot. <laughs> how many? Yeah. I, I guess like 30 something, under 40, between oh, 30 and 40. Under 40. I mean, you know what? If you've written a tarot book and you have anything under 30, I think that, <laughs> you know, maybe I would have been a total sham. Be a total hat. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've, I think you've earned the right to own that many tarot decks. <laughs> Thank you. It does help that they're attacked right off. So, you know, yes. or they were while I was writing the book anyway. I don't know if they still are. I guess they still are. If you're using um, them for, if you're doing yeah. readings for money, then yeah, I'd say they are. Yeah. Totally. Um, <laughs> I'm like, let's just give you, I'm just going to give you tax advice now. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. I need it. I still haven't done my taxes for 2019. Oh my gosh. Oh. Don't ask me though. I'll make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my um, goodness. How Do you have like um, a handful that are your favorites that are in rotation? Or are you always sort of just like getting random and picking them out? Um, different decks? Yeah. Um, for my professional readings, I almost always read with the top deck, the Aleister Crowley deck. I mm-hmm. love that deck. Um, 
I've been reading with it since I was 15. When I was 15, 16 years old, I got the Rider Waite deck and I also got this top deck. And so, um, you know, I, I love the Rider Waite deck because I love Pamela Coleman Smith. Like I love who she was and I love her story. But like most everyone, I'm a little burnt out on those images. So I don't really use that deck that much, even though I'm so familiar with it. Yeah. I really love how much information is packed into the Crowley deck. Um, and so, yeah, I usually use that. I have another deck that's um, a Oracle deck called Vessel by um, Mary Elizabeth Evans, who's a tarot creator, a deck creator. And it's very... It's really cool. It's very gentle without being, it's not at all sappy. It doesn't sugarcoat anything, but it is still a very gentle deck. And I use it when I'm giving someone a reading and they're just stuck in a situation. Right. They can't opt out of it. They have to walk through it and it's just going to suck for them. So I'll pick cards from the vessel deck that just offers like support, like what energies are available to support you? (laughs) Like what did you, yeah. I know. So, hmm? Oh no, I'm just like I know you need like you really do need like as a reader you need something that's supportive as well because I've had those readings too where it's just like right? I want like I know that you came to me for good news and I know <laughs> that you came to me for solutions but you just have to like eat shit for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's just life. I mean, yeah. and I, I I feel like it's such a gift to be a tarot reader because it just drills those facts home to you again and again as you read for other people where you're like yeah some you know sometimes life just sucks and it's not because you did anything wrong you know or guess what sometimes you had to make the wrong decision like yeah. yeah you did do the wrong thing and now you're paying for it and you kind of had to I mean I don't know if you've had this experience but I bet you have but it's like somebody's asking you a, a question you're pulling cards for them you know what you want to tell them. You're like, run in the other direction. Do not know you don't want to do that. <laughs> Why are you thinking, I don't need to pick a card on that. Like, just don't do that. Yeah. And then the cards are like, do it. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh man. Okay. I do. I that, yeah. Well, I mean, I won't pick cards for something. If, if I feel like someone's asking me like, I'm in a really abusive relationship. Should I stay with this person who hits me? Like, I would never pick cards on that. I would be like, absolutely fucking not. Like, get yeah. out of that. But, you know, if somebody's like, I don't know about this relationship, it's kind of toxic, you know, should I stay in it? I would be like, you know, probably not. But sometimes you get these cards that are like, yeah, and I just feel like life is really mysterious. And our paths, like we think as humans that our whole point is we're just supposed to be happy and rich. <laughs> like, right. that's what, like We're all just aiming for like happiness and, and, and richness. And I, you know, and it's understandable and it's, I want that for myself and for everyone, but that's not the purpose of life, you know? Right. And I think you really see that reading the cards. Like sometimes your path is hard and it's supposed to be, and I don't understand why. And I do like pulling these little vessel cards for when that's the case to just offer a little bit of sweetness and hope and, you know, just some agency if you feel like you're trapped by fate. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's hard too. Cause a lot of the times, like I'll pull, I'll pull cards on a situation and I'll be like, well, you, you haven't made any sort of plan to get out of your situation. You haven't looked mm. at, you haven't looked at your finances. You haven't looked at, you know, what it's going to take. Yeah. You're just sort of fantasizing at this point. And so that comes up a lot too. Yeah, but oh, it, really? you know, it's, it's again, you're right though. Like life is about personal evolution and 
it's about, you know, identifying if you are going through a painful moment and then identifying how to get out of it. And then the work that goes into removing yourself from it, you know, and not even just like we used abusive relationship as an example, but just for anything, you know, unhappiness in your job, wanting to move, you know, all that sort of thing. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. It's, it's so, I, I like that reading tarot keeps me connected to that sort of mysterious, um, irrational aspect of life. Yes. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I'm curious because I feel, you know, as a tarot reader, like I'll have really busy days and then I'll have like business drop off to like the point where I'm like, Oh my God, what is happening? Um, right. How do you like, how do you sort of manage like that faith that the, that the jobs are going to come and that it's going to be okay? Oh, well, I mean, I, I feel like tarot is one of like a patchwork of activities I do Mm -hmm. to sort of like create the quilt that pays the rent, you know? (laughs) So, Yeah. And so, um, you know, I feel like I, I know exactly what you're talking about that, that kind of looking down the road and that anxiety. And I feel like I started, I first started experiencing that and and realizing that I had to deal with it when I, when my writing, um, became the demands of my writing career were making it so that I couldn't, I couldn't really keep a day job and, give the attention to writing that I needed to give. So I, you know, I had been working in a bookstore at the time and I was just, I kept cutting my hours down and cutting my days down because I kept getting opportunities to go and read places or teach workshops. And it was really scary to take that leap. I mean, I have a really working class slash broke background. I don't have any family support. You know, I, um, I've always been a hundred percent on my own, I didn't go to college. Like, I feel like I'm like walking a tightrope, but, um, it was kind of, I don't know. I I would be, I I just, at first it was like, okay, I'm okay for this month, but what about next month? And I'd be really scared. And then next month would be, would come and I'd be fine. I'd be like, Oh, okay. I'm okay for this month. But what, and for next month, but what about in six months? And then Mm -hmm. six months would come and I'd be fine. And after just living through that and living through this anxiety, um, <laughs> repeatedly and then getting medicated for anxiety. Yeah. Um, I hit the point where I'm like, you know, I just, it's, it's in the nature of being a sort of freelance worker, whether you're an artist or a charity reader or all of these things that like, you just don't have a secure guaranteed paycheck coming at the, you know, end of the week. And you just sort of get used to that. And I guess I just had to trust that I would be okay. And that, um, you know, yeah, just, I just had to trust that I'd be okay. And that if for some reason, if something collapsed, I am resilient and tough and I would figure it out. I'm not afraid to get a job. I'm not yeah. afraid to work, yeah. you know, but yeah, I mean, God, you know, it's making me, you talking about these slow days as a tarot reader is making <laughs> me think about when I was in my twenties, I was a sex worker. I was a prostitute and I worked in this in call and this amazing woman work I worked with her um, and she, her day job was she worked at the post office. She sold stamps and then at night she was a hooker and she would tell me about how when um, she, she had worked during the era when Magic Johnson uh, was diagnosed with HIV and it was in the media. And then suddenly mm-hmm. all these like straight bros were like, what? Like, a basketball uh, player can get HIV. And so I guess work really dried up 
for sex workers, uh, for prostitutes specifically in that moment. And she was, she would just like burn pubic hair in the sink and do, she was like a total witch, you know, she would just like burn pubic hair and she found some sort of like penis candle, you know, those hilarious. So she was like burning penis, like carving the number of the building on the penis candle and burning pubic hair in the sink. And it just makes me think of like what um, equivalent spell work is available to tarot readers to like drum up business. Oh my gosh. I have a money candle and if I light it, I have to be prepared for being busy. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. What sign are you? I'm a Scorpio. Oh, right on. What sign are you? I had, I'm an Aquarius. I love Scorpios. My, uh, my ex-husband's an Aquarius. I love Aquariuses too, but I, now I'm oh, more okay. careful of them. That's hilarious because I had a torrid affair with a Scorpio last year that was like a little too torrid and I'm a little scared of Scorpios now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we can be scary. (laughs) He had his Mars in Scorpio as well and I really think that's what did it. I think it was the Mars in Scorpio more than the sun that was was tough. Um, That's intense. But it was a good time. I mean, if you like intense and I do, it was definitely (laughs) fun, but it just got... It was really funny. I was living this like wild life last year. Um, I had, I, I was, I, I was married. I'm not anymore. Um, right. But we were, we had opened up our relationship. And so I was suddenly after like a decade of monogamy, like, woo, you know, just kind of going a little cuckoo. <laughs> yeah. And it was really fun. And also like Jupiter was in Sagittarius, mm-hmm. which is the sluttiest sign of the Zodiac. So it was like, <laughs> go, go, go more and more and more. And then I had had this like little affair, very brief with this Mars and Scorpio person. And then suddenly Jupiter moved into Capricorn and it Mm -hmm. was just like, I could feel it in my body. Like I felt a door slam on like, (laughs) it was really wild. I was like, oh my God, I have to stop. I have to stop. Too much. Too much. (laughs) I need to chill out. I need to bring in my energy. I need to ground. Like it was really such a wild experience it was like the day that the day that it shifted I I my my um attitude and what I wanted and what felt fun totally changed well especially with that Capricorn energy because it's just not the same as Sagittarius energy at all no I know like okay like now you're gonna have fun being responsible now you're gonna enjoy (laughs) going to bed early like (laughs) Totally, totally. Oh my God. It's so true. It's so true. And my Venus is in Capricorn. So it oh. had a, a little additional resonance, I think, because of that. I'm like, you little Dom. You- <laughs> <laughs> my Venus is in Scorpio. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> I love that you totally just came out with, like, I was a sex worker because I, well, I used to be a stripper and that was my. I would, that's what I did to work when I was trying to build my tarot business. And I think that we all have to be really open and honest about it and try to like dissipate the stigma. It's the only way. Like Mm -hmm. I, if people just knew that like the lady selling you your stamps at the post office who you fucking love because she's great and has awesome vibes is also a prostitute. It would just, I think you know, would make you think differently about what you think that means or who you think those people are. You know, if you just knew how, how often, you know, your, 
your babysitter or your childcare worker was also a sex worker, you know, or totally. your, I mean, just what I just think about all the other jobs. I mean, I've just, I, I've known and been in community with so many sex workers through my life and just knowing like the other jobs that they had in addition to that. And it's like so many people who work with like childcare are also sex workers. It's just yeah. like, it's that, it's that empress energy, right? It's that oh Venus gosh, sort yes. of like, you know, children and bodies and sex and, you know, all of it. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. It's the same. I mean, it's the same premise as like, you know, gay people, queer people coming out as queer and how, you know, no advancements could have been made for right. queer liberation in our culture without queer people coming out. Like it just was the absolute first thing that had to happen. So I it's think, really important. Yeah. And just sort of also like projecting like, hey, this is a part of me, but also, you know, I'm funny and I'm smart and I'm happy. And I actually, this was my choice to do this. I would like, the, I wasn't yeah. in a situation where I was forced to do this. Like, Right. I looked at my options with my lifestyle choices and this is what worked best for me. <laughs> totally. Oh my God. I still, even today, wish that I could be a stripper. I feel so awkward. I feel like I could be a prostitute because like I don't, it's not like I, I don't know, like I have the ability to like be sexual and, and sort of detached and it's okay. Um, yeah. But the performing, like I'm, I'm actually so vain and the idea of being on stage, I would just be so consumed with like, do I look hot? Do I look hot? Do I look hot? Like the whole time it would just make me feel crazy. <laughs> so I have such admiration for um, dancers. It's like, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so cool to be able to have the confidence to do that. And you guys provide such a service. I mean, all sex workers do really. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think, um, I started, I started dancing when I was like three years old, like not obviously a different kind of, it was like ballet, it was, <laughs> but I've always okay, been cool. like, look, 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 I'm on a stage. Like, <laughs> and then, you right. know, it's just like, I happen to do it and have people throw money at me as an adult. Right. So. <laughs> and it feels right. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that. I know. I always um, thought it was, I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you, you go ahead. You go ahead. Uh, I just, I, one of the things that I always thought was so interesting when I was working in strip clubs is how many guys would like open up to me about their families and like show me pictures of their kids and stuff. That is so interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of cute, really. Like, I guess why not? You know, it's like ideally best case scenario, everything's above board and they're just like having a nice time out and also love their family. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? There's nothing like shady going on. I mean, I think I'm, I'm giving these guys far too much credit is my guess. Um, <laughs> so I guess I don't know what they were trying to communicate to you by yeah, doing that. I know. I never really, I think at a certain point in time, I stopped psychoanalyzing because I was just like, there's too many different, like there's too many different personalities every day. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> you just gave up. You're just like, okay, like I'm just gonna, you know, smile and, you know, <laughs> we'll hang out. Definitely. Yeah. I think that, you know, I do think that working in strip clubs though, kind of in some ways like groomed me for being able to do readings because my money depended on being able to connect with a stranger and wow, make people feel comfortable very quickly in yes. a vulnerable oh way. That makes so much sense. And I mean, they're both, they're both occupations that I think like really resonate with like the Scorpio disposition <laughs> Scorpio talents you know yeah. you know like not being afraid of connecting with a stranger of intensity and you know having like like deep um 
you know, like psychic powers, intuitive powers. So yeah. cool. Yeah. My sister is a Scorpio and also a dancer. She, she went to school for dance and we used to, um, go, she's never, she's never stripped, but we used to hang out. She's actually kind of prudish. She's like the most prudish Scorpio I've ever known. <laughs> um, and I love her for it, but we used to, in spite of that, we used to hang out, um, at jumbos together when yes. we were both younger. Yeah. And it was like, um, it would be so funny. We would just like watch the dancers and she'd be like, God, like I can do all the moves, like something about like actually dancing was so appealing to her. She hadn't danced in a while. She had moved on to a, a different career. She's like, I want to dance, but like, I can't be naked in front of people. And I'm like, I can be naked in front of everyone, but like, I can't dance. <laughs> you know, I, I prefer like, to be naked. <laughs> right. Totally. I do prefer to be naked. I'm like, you know, I have no qualms about it, but I don't have any confidence in my ability to move my body in a way that anyone would enjoy. Oh. <laughs> That's okay. That's fair. That's fair. We can't do everything. That's true. Everything. Everyone knows everyone has their, has their specialties. <laughs> yeah. You know, I can't do cartwheels. Like I'm just very much like I'm very, I'm very much an Aquarius of like, I feel like at this point in my life, I'm more connected to my body than I ever have been. But yeah. for most of my life, it's been like, what is my body? It's a weird case to carry my brain around in, right? Like what does it need? I don't know. Yeah. I think that you have to, if you're doing readings and you're leaving your body kind of to go have mm. conversations in the ether, you have to be able uh -huh. to bring it back in. Cause it's just like, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> if you don't it's really true. It's so true. Mm. I need to eat on a day where I have a lot of readings. I have to eat so much more food, even though I'm like, I, I'm just sitting at my desk, right? Especially now in COVID where I'm not, you know, I'm just doing like, you know, Zoom readings, Skype readings, whatever. Um, you would think that I'm just like, I'm a person who can forget to eat. I've always just sort of been like that. But it's like, if I'm doing a bunch of readings, I'm starving. I know. Right? Like or I so that if I'm doing <laughs> physical work. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, it's like I turn into a little critter. I'll just like eat a handful <laughs> of trail mix in one bite. Like, yes. it's all gone. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> totally. <laughs> like totally. wiping spit just off like my mouth. I'm like, normally I'm a lady, <laughs> but not right now. <laughs> oh my God, that is so funny. Um, <laughs> can I ask you, what, what decks do you read with? Both professionally and also like if, if you have special decks for yourself. Um, I only, I have, um, that spirit animal deck from Kim Cranson. Mm -hmm. I'm so curious about that one. I have the wild unknown, but I don't have the spirit animal one. I love that one. And that's sort of just my deck for me. Um, isn't it nice to just have a deck yes. for you? Yes. I'll sometimes I I'll have, share it in um, my daily my pool, but otherwise it's just mine. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, I, um, my moon's in Sagittarius and I just, I cut people off. I'm oh. so sorry. <laughs> <It's> okay. uh, <laughs> like my Mars is in Sag, which is actually probably even more responsible for that. But I have the, um, the serpent fire, um, she wolf deck. Ooh. I, it's so gorgeous. And I have tried to read other people on it and it gets like mad at me. It's like, how dare you? Oh. How dare you let somebody else handle me? Like I, it's just yeah. between you and me. Yeah. It's really, it's very cool. It is interesting how, decks have different personalities. I mean, I do, I work with seven, seven decks at once when I'm reading for clients. You do. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're, are you one of those readers where you, you pull a spread that, that you pull a bunch of different cards into the spread from different decks? 
Yeah, I'll usually, usually I cap it at two. I'll usually work with two decks at once and I'll lay down okay. like, um, I'll lay down like a map and then I'll use my second deck and I'll pull clarifiers for every card so that it like, oh, wow. it's just like adding that detail. Um, yes, I love that. So that's usually what I do. Sometimes I'll go with three, but I just like to have, I like to have multiple decks and like I have a deck to me that represents the subconscious, one that represents mm-hmm. logistics, one that represents the family, creativity, and they all have these little sort of like genres in my mind. And mm-hmm. sometimes depending on what the client picks, because I'll say, okay, pick two decks, um, it'll tell me if they're intuitive and they're connecting with the right cards. It won't be the only sign that someone's intuitive, but it will sort of point to their intuition in some ways. Um, but also, you know, if there's, if someone's asking about like a work situation and they pull, you know, the family card, they, you know, they want me to pull from the family deck, then I feel like, you know, there may be an effect that it's having on their home life that's going to come through. And I feel like there's just like, it brings in more information. That is so cool. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, really awesome. I love, um, watching readers do readings with like that bringing in other decks it's really exciting to me I, need, I want to figure out whatever my way towards that is I want to think about uh, more about that I have um, a really good friend who's a tarot reader we, we grew kind of grew up together came of age together as teenagers um, outside of Boston and we learned how to read cards at the same time and he's really into this like YouTube reader who reads cards like that like pulls he has his own crazy spread and he's like bringing in different decks and it's just like fascinating to watch someone work like that. I really like it. I love, <laughs> I love watching other readers too. I get to, I get to hire the readers at the shop that I work out of. Um, the, the so whenever we need readers, I get to sort of like do like, just get free readings, like one back to back, however many, you know, people want to interview for the position. And it's just really, it's really interesting to see. Um, wow. That is very cool. Styles. It, it's, 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 it's very enlightening too because I feel like sometimes I'll have people come in who really um don't have the experience (laughs) and it's just like it's just interesting to see like them kind of like finesse themselves and sort of like get to be like hey you know what like I think maybe you should look at it this way and this way this way and then maybe come back to me in like six months and it's just interesting to like be able to have that dynamic with someone yeah I love that. I wanted to, because you brought it, you did just bring it up a little bit. And I'm so curious because you started reading when you were 15. How did that, mm-hmm. how did that even come about? Um, you know, it's so funny. I mean, I was a goth teenager. Yes, of course. Um, I understood <laughs> about witches or, and I grew up in New England, very in the shadow of Salem on the North Shore of Massachusetts. Um. I ended up having a best friend in, in high school who lived in Salem and going to Salem State College for a minute. Um, and I just knew they existed. I was really, I was really interested. I was always interested in magic and witchcraft and the supernatural, um, ghosts. I don't know, vampires. You know, I, yes. I, I liked all of it. I liked all of it. Um, mythology. And I remember, um, I don't know, once I got old enough to start, well, to first start sneaking into Boston and then later just being able to go into Boston um, from the city that I grew up in, Chelsea, which is just five minutes from Boston, but it's like a very um, provincial um, minded place. And everyone was like, Boston, 
you'll get murdered in Boston. <laughs> I was like, actually, you're far more likely to get murdered here. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but oh, there's museums in Boston. But Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I don't know. We just um, we kind of found it was so interesting to exist in this moment, um, this era before internet and stuff. I'm so grateful for it where you just had to find people. Yeah. <laughs> and you did, like, and it, and it just really um, – it, it could really like stoke your, your belief and trust in magic the way that you just found people who would become really important to you because yeah. you were both like, you know, on the same train heading to the same witch store. And we just kind of would be walking around exploring Boston and stumble upon like a, like a witchcraft store and be like, Oh, look at this, you know? And there was this really great store called, um, God, what was it called? um, arsenic and old lace in Cambridge in the eighties. It was a great witch store. Oh, and me and my friends were all, we were all just interested in these things. So we just sort of fed, fed the interest in one another. And I had a, somebody I went to high school with, I heard that, I had, I heard that myth that you can't buy your own tarot deck, right? Someone has to give it to you. Right. And, um, which I don't believe in. I don't and, either, yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd have no tarot decks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd like, yeah, I'd have like two, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But my first deck was gifted to me by um, somebody that I went to high school with, and he worked at a Barnes and Noble, and he stole it. <laughs> he stole me a Rider Waite deck, oh, and I, I just loved it. Yeah, it was cool. And yeah, and I just started reading, and I learned. I really learned by by reading. You know, I would mm-hmm. just throw cards for myself, or I would just throw these sort of theoretical spreads. They weren't even for me. It was like, well, what would this mean? Yeah. If, if this, you know, and just learned to link the cards together. Um, I feel so like, yeah, and sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, no, that was it. <laughs> I feel like um, one of sometimes people can develop unhealthy relationships with their tarot decks and their sort of like divination tools. Mm. I'm curious if like you know what what your maybe advice or if you've ever experienced like a little bit of a t- if you've ever fallen down a tarot hole. If you could speak to that, I have. I mean. Um, you know, it's, it's so enjoyable to me to read tarot cards that mm-hmm. it's like, I could just give myself like a full giant reading every night. And it's just like, it's just too much information. Right. You just have to live. You know, I remember when I was younger and I started really understanding like the phases of the moon, um, and you know, the moon moving through the Zodiac and stuff. And I had some little, um, planner that told you every day what sign the moon was in. And I became really obsessed and, it became like the one lens that I viewed the world through. I was like, well, this is because the moon's in Gemini. Well, this is happening because the moon's in Gemini, you know? And it was like, sure. It was influenced um, by that. And that might've just been like me learning, I guess in a sense, becoming that obsessed helped me learn a little bit. But as far as like what it made life feel like, it was a little exhausting. And I had to deliberately decide to stop paying attention to what sign the moon was in. Um, right. cause it just felt weird. And I did have another, um, with tarot, something like that, where I, um, a long time ago, like, I don't know, like 2007, I had gone through a really painful breakup and I just wanted to know that I was going to be okay. And so I was yeah. just picking cards constantly of like, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be okay? And it just, I was just, um, I was just using the cards incorrectly. Like it's fine. I think to pick a card, to pick a card a day, you know, to, to, to interact with your, t- with your tarot every day, especially when you're really going through something. Yeah. But 
I was so desperately like just looking for what I wanted to see. It wasn't like I was like, show me tarot, how to best, you know, move through this moment. It was like, am I going to be okay? Yeah. Oh no, it's the power again. Fuck. And I would just like start crying. I was like, oh, am I going to be okay? Oh, look, the hermit. I'm going to be alone forever. Great. You know, no. so, <laughs> I had to stop. I had to just put them away for a while. But what's cool is that it really changed the way that I read tarot. I think, I think up until then I was more influenced by this idea of tarot cards as fortune telling rather than as just sort of like thinking into the moment and thinking about energy and what's going on and lessons. And, you know, I, when I did come back to the tarot, I came back in a gentler way of just being like, let's check in. What should I be thinking about today? Yeah. And like how to, how to work with it versus how to like force something, how to force a scenario. Cause then I think that people can get like can get caught up too if they get optimistic with their readings and then, you know, this thing doesn't manifest and then it's almost like it can get a little unhinged or something. (laughs) Yes, totally. Totally. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's so good to, approach the tarot really with like total openness yeah. and no, no, like just, just a real willingness to hear whatever it has to tell you and not yeah. really need anything from it. Yeah. Totally. But just be like, you know, it's almost like, how can I be of service to this message? Yeah. What's the message? And it's what about, should I do now? Yeah. It's about that guidance too, versus like, um, like a set fate, you know? Yeah. Completely. Completely. When you were going through the deck to write your book, did you, mm-hmm. did you go in order or did you jump around and like, what was sort of like, what was it like to go through each card? How was that process for you? It was really fun. And I actually jumped around and I actually decided what card I would do next by pulling a tarot card. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Because I was afraid that I would get bored or... I would feel oppressed by having to kind of soak in, you know, to get through the a suit, you know, I, yeah. I mean, I can see how it could also be really cool to really get deep in, into that suit and really, but I, I didn't feel like I wasn't worried about like, I know what all the suits mean. I felt confident in my understanding of them. And I just, I wanted to keep, it felt more important to me, for me to stay creatively inspired yeah. so that my writing stayed inspired, you know, and felt lively. So yeah, and it was it was fun. I would just pick a card and be like, oh, okay, I guess we're gonna do the chariot next, you know. Yes. And I would just get into the chariot and have a day of just researching the chariot and then thinking about you know different moments in my life where you know the chariot kind of made sense and resonated and right. and then yeah, and then have a day or two of just like hashing out the text. Did you feel like um, maybe you were having conversations with archetypes as well, especially when you were writing, like maybe if you had to do the emperor, like he came and sat and like told you what to write. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite like that, but like I did, it did feel really special. Like I did feel so close to the tarot while I was working on it. And that felt, it felt really special for sure. It felt like a gift to get to dedicate so much time, um, to just really musing on it and really thinking about it. It was for a moment, it was literally, I mean, it is my job to some extent to read, you know, I read tarot cards professionally, so it's my job, but to just be thinking so heavily about the, about the tarot, that that got to be my job for a minute felt really special. Yeah. And you get just to get really, really nitty gritty and with the different, especially I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about like how great it would be to just know the major arcana like that. 
and just really be yeah yeah I mean it, it is I think that there's so so much um possibility with the major arcana to work with it in a way where you sort of attempt to embody it you know and yes. like almost like as a as a practice or the workshop or the performance art I don't even know but like I think about that a lot and like what would it be like to really focus in an even deeper way just like on a card where you're feeling like you want to get as close to the energy of that card as possible mm-hmm. what would that be like do you have some some favorites favorite cards yeah well I do I do love the star as an Aquarius I feel I feel very bonded to it um right. and you know i love in the crowley deck i love the lust card it's such a beautiful great card he did such a good job reinterpreting strength um in a way that i think really works like i get really tripped up with his interpretation of temperance as art it feels very confusing to me i feel like he was on a lot of cocaine when he was thinking about yeah. that card <laughs> got yeah. very scrambled right it's always a little bit challenging which is for funny me. for yeah. temperance like i'm all spun out on cocaine and get it right right <laughs> Oh my God. Totally. Totally. I mean, you know, I like, I like the, the big happy cards that promise, promise me joy and sex and fortune. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, who doesn't want all I those like things? That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want all those things that I like. I, I, it makes me happy when those cards come up for other people, you know, it's yeah. like great. It's great. I mean, but I also really enjoy puzzling out it's like, I'm really, um, I've been on this like seven of swords kick lately. And again, very specifically with the Crowley deck because of the astrological, um, affiliation of it, which is moon and Aquarius. And just thinking about, you know, why is moon in Aquarius futility? Like I like the puzzle of figuring it out. And yeah, to me, even though it's like not a happy card, you don't really want to get that card. Right. I always, I was like, but, oh but, man, you're stuck on the seven of swords. <laughs> <laughs> But it's an intellectual um, exercise, yeah. really, you know, and it's sort of like, I really like the intellectual challenge of trying to decipher like, okay, so why, why is sun in um, Gemini ruin? <laughs> like, why? Yeah. Why is, why is it that, you know, and like, I don't know, why is, why is Jupiter in Gemini interference? Like, and again, it's very specific to this deck. Right. I'm, I'm sure it resonates with other decks, but so, so yeah, I feel like I really figured out, you know, the seven of swords and why moon and Aquarius is futility. So I felt, I feel a little bit like a kid who solved the math problem <laughs> and just wants to keep kind of talking about it because they feel smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is interesting though, how different tarot decks will change how you view a card. It's true. Cause even, I mean, I, I always like to adhere to the intention of the t- of the creator of whatever deck I'm using. Yeah. So even if they're saying that like five of discs is awesome and everything I've ever known in tarot says it's not, yeah. I, I go with that because that was the intention. But a lot of times I do let those other interpretations bleed through a little bit. Because right. like, sometimes they really inform it, you know, like the way that, I don't know, in the, in the Crowley deck again, there's that card, the Aeon, and it's a riff on the judgment card. So I do like to let the judgment some of the stuff in the judgment card sort of bleed through. And then whenever I'm reading any deck and the tower card comes up, I can't not talk about the depiction of the tower in the toss deck. Cause it's so great the way that it has an eye opening in the sky. And it's sort of about having a revelation. And once you see something that you can't unsee, yeah. it forces you to have to change your life. Yeah. It forces you to have to 
face the facts, even if it's painful. You can't unsee it. I love that take on the ta- the tower. That is really beautiful. I've never worked with that deck, but I, I know I've heard other people refer to it as like a very intense, <laughs> very intense deck. It's really funny. I know people. It has a little bit of a reputation as being like maybe a little heavy or a little intense. And I know like Alistair Crowley sucks or whatever, but right. it's a. I I think that there's. I don't think it is particularly heavier. Like I don't think it has more sort of challenging or negative cards in it than any other deck. Um, I think it also has a lot of really, you know, bright, beautiful cards in it. And it was the art's all done by a woman, Lady Frida Harris. She's like 60 something year old woman who worked alongside um, him and incorporated all of his, you know, wild esoteric occult numbers and symbols into all of her images. And then they both died before the deck was published. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a bummer. It is a bummer, right? But we all have it to work with. Yeah. It's so it's so enduring. I mean, as long as there's human civilization, there will be these tarot decks. Yeah, I mean, especially because it's kind of impossible to even pinpoint where they originated from because there was right. some sort of version of tarot divination in so many different cultures. I know. I love that. I love that we can't really ever totally understand where it comes from. Because mm-hmm. yeah, that about it's just like so. It's just that it's like an enigma pretty much. Totally. Renee, I love talking to you so much and I have to do a tarot reading in two minutes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. We'll have to have you on again. Cause I still have so I much that I would love to time. <laughs> it's, so, it's so nice to meet you and hopefully next time I can come to your yard and I won't feel so intimidated by yes. what's happening. Yes. It's crazy COVID times. Um, do you want to, uh-huh. do you want to plug any of your socials or anything before I let you go? Please. Yeah. Okay. You can follow me at Michelle Tease, T-E-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-T-E-A-Z on Instagram. And please, please, please follow my project, Your Magic. Um, It is at This Is Your Magic on Instagram. We are working on a really cool podcast. It's going to debut on Spotify on February 15th. So yeah, you can follow us and, and catch that when it comes out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Have a good reading. Thank you very much. It's really cool getting to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. I'm glad we finally were able to make it happen. Me too. <laughs> All right. Okay. Have hey. a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of The Glittercast. You can find me online at rainbowglitterstar.com, on Instagram at rainbowglitterstar for daily horoscopes at The Glittercast, although I did miss a few horoscopes this last week because again, my brain has been malfunctioning and I just like have been trying to go easy on myself and not become overstimulated. Um, Witch Doctorate as well. You can catch my live stream every Wednesday on YouTube, Betwixt the Shadows. That's when I sit down with Sal from The Crooked Path and we answer all of your occult questions. In the last episode, we talked about why you shouldn't sacrifice animals and magical self-defense and psychic self-defense. So please go ahead and give it a view and hit subscribe, please. Um, I am offering gift certificates for anyone who needs an idea for their loved ones for the holiday season. And again, I also have crystal kits and spell kits on my website, rainbowglitterstar.com. I love you guys very much. I hope you're not going crazy gearing up for the holidays. And please remember to stay healthy and stay safe. Have a good week. Oh, next week I have Karen Rontaski and it's a really good talk. So make sure you tune in next week too. All right. I love you. Bye. Bye.